Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another installment of The Crush. Um, That's my, like, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday uh, voice. I'm trying to get other jobs out of, out of doing the show. Um, so, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll talk after this. But anyway, everyone, welcome to another installment of the show. Uh, in case you're tuning in for the first time, this show covers all things innovation, creativity, ideas, smart people doing smart things. And um, I want to say hello to Jody Goldstein. Hello. Hey, Chris, how you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Good. I don't have nearly as cool a voice as you do. It's, it sounds pretty good so far. I think you're doing good. You want to try a Sunday, Sunday, Sunday? No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I, I would not live up to you. First rule of improv is to say yes. <laughs> That's uh. why I don't do improv. <laughs> um, have you ever seen the movie Baby Boy? No. Should I? Tyrese plays a character named Jody. Oh, okay. Very like 90s LA hood movie. It's a All right, I'll add it to my list. Um, There was no promotional value in that whatsoever. (laughs) Uh, I guess for starters, give us the 101 on who uh, Jody is. What are you you up to? What do you you love? Okay, Uh, depends on how far back you want to go. Way, way, way back, grew up in a very small ski town in Vermont. Parents were entrepreneurs as they owned a hotel and restaurant, so they were the consummate entrepreneurs. Um... I uh, went running like the original Airbnb. Exactly. Exactly. I kind of ran the other direction because I saw how hard they worked and uh, they wanted me to take over the family business and uh, no such luck. But um, I did learn a significant work ethic and always worked from a very young age. Um, In any event, started my career at General Electric, uh, went into venture capital after that, went to business school in the mid 90s and uh, Upon graduation, there was this thing called the internet that was just percolating and starting to take shape. And um, I got super excited about that and decided to kind of go against convention and didn't take the investment banking or consulting job and joined a startup right out of business school when it was not cool to be an entrepreneur. And spent the last uh, 15 years in about half a dozen startups, first internet, then moved over to mobile when the internet got too mature and uh, wasn't the Wild West like uh, it was at the beginning, and mobile certainly was. And um, for the past five years, I've been um, at the Harvard Innovation Lab. Uh, this, is quite, this is quite the career path. Um, will there be another internet? And this is not a real question, but I'm just like, it, you made me think of like a lot of people kind of... Like their career path took off with the introduction. And a lot of industries, a lot of the world changed. Like, do, do you see something that's in, on the horizon that will make as deep an impact? Yeah, no, it is a real question. And, you know, it's something that, you know, I, I wish I had more time to think about. Um, but, you know, the Internet was such a unique time in history and transformed um, so much of the way we live and work and play and everything. Um, and I do think... I'm I'm kind of super excited about the coming of virtual and augmented reality as the next processing platform that's going to transform the way we do everything. Um, and I kind of think the time is now. So um, I'm kind of excited about that. So, there you go. I don't know. Well, you're virtually we'll here. See. So that's, that's also good. <laughs> so um, tell, t- tell us a little bit more about the Harvard Innovation Lab. Like what, what, what goes on there? <laughs> it's, uh, it feels top secret when you say it, but it's also like there's some amazing stuff that happens there. Oh, uh, no, absolutely. Uh, lots and lots of innovation, hopefully. So uh, we started five years ago, as I mentioned. Uh, we were a university-wide experiment to support innovation and entrepreneurship across all Harvard schools. And I make that distinction because... Um, Many of you who know Harvard understand that it's a very decentralized place. Um, And to bring all 12 schools together under one roof around innovation and entrepreneurship was pretty novel at the time. And um, 
So what we do is support um, budding innovators and entrepreneurs in every way we can. Uh, I like to give them access to resources and people that will increase their likelihood of success. Uh, we talk about lowering the friction costs so um, so they can get further faster and um, oftentimes fail faster and move on to the next thing. But, you know, the one thing that's really unique and interesting about us is um, – that we are stage agnostic, we're industry agnostic, as I mentioned, school agnostic. So we support all stages of development, whether you want to be an innovator uh, within the context of a larger corporation or you start a company five, 10 years out, that's in, um, of no consequence to us. We really just want to create the next generation of innovators uh, in everything that we do. Uh, what's, a, what's a friction cost? Um, you know, you know, it's interesting because I've been a struggling entrepreneur for many, many years and um, creating a community of like-minded entrepreneurs, giving them access to the people, the contributors to the community, whether it be advisors, mentors, industry experts, uh, investors, lawyers, etc., um, when you're a struggling entrepreneur, you can't get meetings with these people. So creating a community by which you can have access to all of that those eco that ecosystem that enables you to build your network, uh, build community, learn from each other, um, in my mind, um, will uh, increase your likelihood of success. I want to apply now just so I can get in the, in the program. Yeah. I want to apply to, apply to Harvard. I know, me too. I kind of want to do over because it wasn't nearly as cool when I was there. Well, that's a great. I mean, even that is a, is a great thing. I think, you know, this idea of uh, Harvard having an innovation lab and other schools having similar programs. Um, what is distinctive about the Harvard name, you know, as whether it's a brand or the standard or is there one like what, how does it, how does that live Yeah. Out? You know, I think it's less about the brand and more about the quality of the students and the diversity of students. So we are so fortunate to be attracting the best of the best from all over the world and they come with a diversity of skills and experiences and backgrounds. Um, and so it's the perfect melting pot to um, create, big, impactful, innovative ideas. Um, so again, a lot of what we do is trying to bring together um, all of these diverse people in a cross-disciplinary way. And our hypothesis is that if you do that, um, great ideas will be born. Things that otherwise would not have happened if you hadn't come at it from very differing viewpoints. Um, so, you know, you can get a chemistry student, a business student, a law student, and um, a um, Kennedy School student together and creating really interesting, impactful ideas that alone they might not have been able to come up with. That's amazing. Um, and how do you go about facilitating those, you know, I, I call it accelerated serendipity, huh. right? And put it, I actually stole that from an, an event recently. I was like, I, wrote, I actually wrote it in my notebook. I was like, accelerated serendipity. That's awesome. Um, shout out to Pete Strom. But um, how, yeah, how do you guys go about on a daily basis? You know, are the teams kind of handpicked or you kind of put them in a room? You're like, count off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I like accelerated. Um, what did you call it? Accelerated serendipity. serendipity. And we call it structured spontaneity or structured serendipity. So it's quite similar. You know, I think um, in order to be authentic, you can't matchmake. 
you know, you can't kind of pick someone from a school and pick another person and say, hey, you guys get together and create a company. Because I really, truly believe true innovation and entrepreneurship has to come from a, a personal passion and pain point. Um, so what we do on a day-to-day basis is try to create that structured spontaneity or serendipity where these collisions can occur. Um, and some of it is is really subtle. We just did a kind of a remodel of the space. And what I tried to do was create um, more opportunities for those collisions to occur, whether it be in the kitchen area or um, in more informal seating so right. people can happen upon each other. So sometimes it's subtle. Other things we do, a lot of our programming, uh, you know, we'll do two, three, four workshops a week, have large um, school-wide events. Um, and a lot of the um, curation of those events is around um, helping people find each other, whether it's a color-coded name tag or, um, you know, industry vertical um, types of programming. So much of what we do is try to make those connections happen in an organic way. No, that's great. Uh, there was a, a guy who was on the show named Andy Walsh who runs uh, the Red Bull Human Performance Program. Mm-hmm. And his whole, his whole goal is to kind of strip people from, you know, their convention. Um, and then they grow. So one of the things he did is he had a mixer where you had to wear, it was like a masquerade. You had to wear a mask um, and you, uh, no name tag. And you couldn't talk about where you were from or wh- what you did. <laughs> and it was interesting, like the types of connections that were made. And, and I would imagine there's something similar that happens, you know, with in, in your program where not only are people just getting the work done, but they're building like lifelong relationships. Absolutely. And so much of it is that. And what we find is that people come together, not necessarily around a shared um, industry expertise or interest, but more about shared personal interests and backgrounds. And um, oftentimes when you can bring people together on those fronts um, and they make those connections, then great things can come out of that. So yeah, I totally agree. You mentioned that the program is sort of industry and vertical agnostic, like come with an idea and we're going to help you. (laughs) Or you don't even have to have an idea. Oh, okay. Then I'm definitely <laughs> applying. I have no ideas. Um, no, but it, it, it's uh, that. I guess. Do you have to be a generalist of sort? Like you, as a as managing director, have to. You know, somebody comes like, "Hey, I have a puppy toenail clipping. You know, digital robot thing." <laughs> You're like, "Okay." So where where does the generalist you know kind of aspect? help and hinder you? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Um, you definitely have to be a generalist. By the way, I love be... that robot toenail clipper for dogs. <laughs> okay, well, that, I'm, I'm sure. going to apply and that will be the idea that I write about. <laughs> um, huge impact on the world. Um, so um, what was the question? So generalist versus specialist. Um, yeah, we try to do both. We try to go as broad as possible, making sure we hit all of the areas um, of importance from ideation, team formation, funding, marketing everything in between. Um, but then we, you need to go really deep into industry-specific areas. So we might have a funding workshop for social impact ventures or for health and science ventures, et cetera. Um, so uh, I am certainly not an expert in all of those industries. So we've hired and um, created an organizational structure with um, structure where there are industry verticals. So I have someone that heads up the health and life sciences area, someone that heads up social impact, technology, consumer, et cetera. Um, so that we can really go deep into those areas. And then we also rely on so many amazing experts who come in and contribute their time through office hours, mentoring, instructing workshops, et cetera. Um, so we try to kind of create this complete 
resource ecosystem for the students. As much as you plan your if then scenarios for what types of ideas and businesses mm-hmm. may come, like what's what's been an example of a huge surprise where you're like, oh, we're not prepared for that, but it's a, <laughs> it's a good thought. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the coolest thing about my job that I love so much is the diversity of ideas. Every semester we evaluate, um, you know, 250 ventures um, will accept maybe 70 or 80 of those, um, which is still a lot. Um, We'd like to accept them all. Um, And the diversity of ideas is always amazing. And we're pretty evenly distributed between social impact, health and sciences and consumer and technology, which is amazing. And I think that really speaks to the diversity of the population at Harvard. Um, But what has been unique and different, you know, we always see trends um, over time. You know, one semester we might have tons of food companies. The next time we might have, uh, you know, on-demand economy companies. Um, This past semester, um, we we had one that I, I had not seen before. It was a um, uh, a guy who had come up with an idea to predict the weather incredibly accurately using uh, cell phone tower information. <laughs> so have absolutely no expertise or no advice to give him other than that is the <laughs> coolest luck, thing buddy. I've heard in a long time. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, interestingly enough, what I can do is find people who do know about that industry right. and help him partner and um, find the experts who can support him. So, um, yeah. Definitely, I'm a generalist, not a specialist. <laughs> um, but I guess that that one beats the bug meat um, <laughs> idea that came out of the, the lab. Um, I, I, I'm thinking about um, the the idea of these young entrepreneurs, and you know, most entrepreneurs, I think the like the average age is like around 35 to 40, somewhere right, around there, right, right. Um, which comes after some life experience and you experience enough things where you go like, okay, that's a real problem. Um, how do you balance sort of the life experience versus business idea and validity of, you know, um, a, like career pathing, you know, or, or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, it's funny because Harvard used to be famous for a couple, you know, famous dropouts um, to Harvard. Uh, that started some pretty interesting companies. Um, but now, you know, the way I think about it is there's no better time to start a company than while you're at school because of the unbelievably tremendous resources. And it's not just Harvard. It's so many schools that are putting so many resources behind it. Uh, and it's a super safe place to experiment, um, practice, oftentimes fail. You know, it's funny because people say, you know, entrepreneurship can't be taught. And I I actually think it can. I think, you know, what you don't want to do is take a course um, on entrepreneurship appreciation, which uh, someone just uh, told me about that that term, which I I found fascinating because you don't want to learn about entrepreneurship. You actually want to do entrepreneurship and that's how you get better at it. And I really think practice um, helps. So again, whether or not we help them become an entrepreneur today, tomorrow, 10 years from now uh, is, is irrelevant to us. Um, but we want to get you thinking outside of the box, get you think, um, feeling really comfortable with failing, failing often, failing early um, on a daily basis, um, and really pushing people outside of their comfort zone. And I think that is, you know, if we can do that, we can create a lot of value. Yeah. Uh, and then on, on top of that, you know, I think, being able to spot entrepreneurial talent, you know, not just the idea, but like, do you have the 
je ne sais quoi, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> of what it takes. Because I, I like to think about this divide between people who are going to be great founders and then there's going to be like people who are going to be great contributors to a vision. And sometimes those people don't know which side they are. Do you like, do you do any filtering with that? And is it consultative in that area? Yeah, a little bit. And you know, it's also the distinction between invention and innovation. You know, we have so many amazingly brilliant researchers who have, you know, spend their lives in labs discovering interesting inventions. Um, but barring any, um, market opportunity, it it really won't become a venture, it won't become anything, you know, you can't just um, create an idea that no one wants to buy. Um, so there's a lot of that. There's a lot of, um, you know, you have a really interesting idea or technology, but is there really a commercial value to that? And right. if there is, let's help you find a team to help you execute on that. So again, it could be this, you know, brilliant researcher teaming up with a business school student, a Kennedy student, et, et cetera. Um, and, and that to me is the secret sauce is um, creating those collaborations that otherwise wouldn't occur. And we have so many people that have met at the iLab in different ways. And, you know, when they talk about their founding stories, they say, you know, this idea would never have been, um, you know, in the world today, had we not been coming at it from these differing viewpoints. Um, so a lot of times, you know, what we're trying to do is just create those um, collisions and collaborations so that um, the ideas can um, can come to fruition. Uh, speaking of fruition, favorite success story thus far? Oh, God. No, you can't do that. <laughs> it's like asking who your favorite kid is. And, no, and I'll get I, in big I was, trouble if I, I do that. I had an interview this morning and somebody was like, what was your favorite interview? And I was like, I've done like 140 of these. I, uh, <laughs> exactly. I'm going to offend a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Or how about a, yeah, how about a highlight? How about yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, again, the diversity of ideas is right. what's so super cool. Um, so one in the health and science space was a company called Vaxis, which um, actually came out of a class taught at um, at the iLab. And they were doing a class project on um, silk-based protein technology. So um, the original application, I believe, for this technology was to make scarves, very durable scarves, ship them off to developing countries where that's really important. And they're now shipping vaccines to developing countries without refrigeration. So, you know, again, there's that aha moment of, you know, this diverse group of people was four different Harvard schools um, identifying an application for technology that was looking for a market. Um, and they're now getting vaccines to countries that otherwise wouldn't get them because they couldn't survive the cold chain. So to me, that's, you know, hugely impactful ideas um, that... Um, you know, wouldn't have happened um, had these people not met each other. Right. And then, you know, there's this whole idea of the accidental entrepreneur, I call them. So, you know, they come to Harvard, they're amazingly brilliant. Their parents want them to go get a, you know, big corporate job somewhere, um, use the Harvard name well, and they decide to be an entrepreneur because they have such a personal passion to solve a problem in the world. Uh, one that comes to mind is a company called Artlifting. Um, the founder was a college undergraduate who was um deeply involved in um, combating homelessness. She was also really interested in art. She brought um, art tools to the homeless shelters, so um, it would give her uh, an opportunity to interact with them. And she saw how incredibly talented so many of these people were. So she created a company around that to enable the world to see their art, uh, to sell their art, uh, so they're no longer homeless. So incredible impact on the world. Um, she did not come to Harvard to become an entrepreneur. And now right. she's the, you know, the, the founder and head of an incredible company. And then, you know, third one, I'm just kind of trying to hit each industry. So I don't <laughs> play favorites. 
is um, a company called Rapid SOS. And um, this is a company that is reimagining emergency response, basically 911. Personal pain point, his dad, um, I believe the story is he fell off a ladder, couldn't reach 911, almost died um, on his cell phone. And um, so he wanted to find a better way. So now um, you'll have the ability to reach 911 anytime, anywhere in the world. Um, so those are the types of things, incredible, impactful ideas um, that uh, that are going to change the world. Uh, those are those are all great examples. You did a good job of okay. being different. Didn't play favorites. <laughs> and then you know, again, we've incubated over seven hundred ventures in the wow. five years we've been here. So you know that that is just three of seven hundred amazing entrepreneurs. If I was better at math. I do what that was per year. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I know you're bringing a lot of resources and outside you know entities and individuals. Uh, but from a collaboration standpoint, do you guys work with, uh, you know, other companies or other outside entities in a, in a more uh, official capacity? Cause I would imagine like a lot of those ventures are applicable to a Red Cross or to an Uber, like just like how, or a GE where you, you're, you are birthed. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, we, we think about that a lot, you know, again, how do we make those connections, um, between people who can, contribute, um, help, partner, et cetera. Um, we've experimented. So uh, we try to practice what we preach and we iterate quite a lot and experiment and prototype. Um, so we had something called the entrepreneurial program where we partnered with uh, five different financial services companies to innovate within the context of their corporations solving problems inside their companies. Had a whole bunch of students working on that over the summer, really successful. Some of the ideas are now being implemented. Um, but we don't have an, uh, a scalable way to um, do that quite yet. And we're thinking about ways to do that because I think it, it could be hugely impactful. You know, if you, um, you know, you know, bringing in a bunch of different um, sports companies, technology companies, you know, um, whatever it might be, going across different industry verticals um, could be, you know, hugely impactful both for, for the companies as well as the uh, the team. So stay tuned. That's something that's uh, on my to-do list for uh, this coming year. What's a misconception when an outside, like a mentor or somebody comes to the lab? Because, you know, not every, not everybody who's successful went to a Harvard. And so like they, go, they walk in the doors and like they're expecting something. I would I would imagine, maybe I'm wrong, but is there sort of a misconception or maybe from the students who enter the program, but just kind of like any sort of misconception where, hey, I thought it was going to be one way or this surprised me in, in some way? Yeah, I mean, it depends who you're asking. So from the outside world, there was a lot when we were first opening, there was a lot of, you know, what does Harvard know about entrepreneurship? Uh, you know, it's very traditional university you know, how are they going to do this? So, you know, hopefully we've um, combated all those mis misconceptions. Um, and then when you're coming to the iLab, I think, you know, interesting for us, even though we've, we've now been open five years, a third of the university turns over every year. So we have to go out and evangelize the iLab, who we are, to all 12 schools who have no idea what the iLab is. And I think one of the misconceptions, um, you know, it really depends on what school you come from. You know, some people uh, think it's only for tech companies or other people think it's you know, only for, you know, the business school or, you know, depending upon where you, where you are, they think it might not be for them. Um, and, you know, the other issue of, you know, I have to come with a well-formed idea or a well-formed team. And the iLab is open to any Harvard student at any stage of development. All you do is swipe your ID and come and go as you please. So we're a pretty welcoming and inclusive place. And we have to constantly be um, reinforcing that fact uh, around the university. Uh, have you seen... Um 
a trend. I think, I think when you have young founders and we start to like reshape the business ecosystem nationally, regionally, uh, internationally, whether it's how business is conducted or just a perspective, like, you know, you sort of mentioned like there's industry trends that pop up like food versus, but then there's these operational things where a company may operate in a way that's sort of disruptive in and of itself because mm. there's a naivete that goes into it. And I, and I don't mean that in the bad way. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, the trend that I'm seeing, and I think it it, it goes past Harvard, I think it's this generation of, of innovators, is um, wanting to have true impact on the world. Um, this whole double bottom line, um, very um, focused on doing good um, and not getting rich quick. And, you know, I always joke that, you know, if you're looking to get rich quick, being an entrepreneur is the absolute worst career choice you can choose because uh, the chance of success is so incredibly low and it's so incredibly hard. But um, so I think to me, that is, I think, the most interesting trend um, that um, they are so impact focused and they they, they really want to do something because they think it has value um, in the world, not because it's going to make them rich. And then I think the second thing I, you know, that I think about and I think we try to um, reinforce is how important culture is. Um, and so many startups that, um, you know, I've been involved with and many other people I've seen are so dysfunctional because they don't think about culture early on in the process. And I think that it's never too early to think about that. And, um, you know, I think if you can build that into, and I think that kind of goes along with the impact focus too. When you have people who are there for the right reasons and similar reasons, um, and it's, it's instilled in that culture, I think you have a higher chance of success. Um, you know, you, you touched on something that I personally believe in, which is innovation is not always synonymous with technology. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I think you can innovate a route to, you know, to school, right? Whatever, whatever it is. Um, what is the Harvard definition of innovation? <laughs> I don't think we have one. It's funny because, um, the definition of entrepreneurship is, is at the iLab, which was coined by Howard Stevenson, an HBS professor, I think, a long time ago, um, around, um, gosh, I'm not going to get this right, but, um, uh, you know, the constrainment of resources, not having enough resources and, um, creating companies around that. But as far as innovation goes, um, you know, the way I think about it is, um, bold new processes, products and services that, um, had, have huge value, um, again, it's that difference between invention and innovation. It's, is, is there a market for it? Is there value in the world for what it is you're trying to create? That to me is true innovation. Um, but you know, maybe that's something we should think about and write on our wall somewhere. <laughs> I got something for you. I won't say it right now. Uh, um, uh, there's, there's this, um, I don't know. I think about the, your history, I think you have, you studied entrepreneurship yourself, right? Um, sort of. Or you went through an entrepreneurship program at Har You went to Harvard. I went to Harvard, but you know, it was interesting. My research team has yes, uncovered some yes, secrets. Yes. Uh, but when I was there, you know, there was just, you know, a couple entrepreneurship professors, only a couple entrepreneurship classes. I took all of the the ones that were offered, but, um, you know, it's so different now. It's, it's amazingly 
better. Uh, so again, I wish I had a do-over to uh, come back and do it again. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I guess what's what sort of changed in in that span of time? You know, outside of the growth, obviously the growth of the program, but the ecosystem is very different as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you know when I was graduating, it, it wasn't cool to be an entrepreneur. It was like a, a completely unconventional career path, and they didn't know what to do with us, and there were no startups that recruited on campus, and you know you kind of had to go it alone. There were no support uh, support or resources. And now I think it is a, a, a valid, almost conventional career path. And you're no longer kind of shunned or, you know, you have to kind of say it in secret that, you know, I'm looking for a job um, at, a, at a startup or starting my own company. It's become so, so much the norm. You know, we have students that show up their first week as an undergrad, you know, they're 18 years old. And, you know, I, I couldn't even find my dorm room or the cafeteria the first week. And they somehow make their way to the iLab and say, hey, I have some ideas. You know, I really wanted to come to Harvard because of the iLab. And how do I get started? And it's just a completely different generation right now. Um, you had a pretty good career, you know, <laughs> you, you, were, you were going along just fine. What, like, why, why take this role? Like, what is it about it that attracted you? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, as I mentioned, I, I did about a half a dozen startups over the span of about 15 years. Some were successful, some were colossal failures, everything in between. Um, my last company I co-founded uh, was a mobile app for wine called Drink, which still exists. So if you want to download it in the App Store, please do. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of just picked my head up. When you're in a startup, you know, it's blinders on, head down. Your world revolves around getting that company off the ground. And, you know, get to that stage of your career where you want to give back. You want to have a broader impact. I wanted to help other entrepreneurs. Um, and was trying to figure out how to do that. And, um, you know, after being an entrepreneur for so many years, you're, you, at least I was incapable of getting a real job. I interviewed for some real jobs and just could not bring myself to do it. Um, so I was trying to figure out what to do. And, you know, serendipity, of course, a friend of mine who worked at Harvard called me one day and said, I just saw a job posting that has your name written all over it. And it was this idea of the Harvard Innovation Lab, which was just a concept at the time. And I take it you you are still friends with that person today. Absolutely. Did, did you give him a percentage? I give her full credit. <laughs> <laughs> I wish there was a percentage to give. <laughs> um, so you're here in LA, which is a long way from Harvard. Uh, when you travel, like what's the goal, you know, under, under your in a, iLab uh, hat? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just general ecosystem development, whether it's meeting with um, Harvard folks who have graduated, trying to build community and an ecosystem to um, collaborating with other innovation um, contributors, accelerators, incubators, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, what I'm thinking about someday um, as a goal is uh, we have this thing called the Launch Lab, which is our alumni um, co-working space right across the street from the iLab that we opened two years ago um, because when the students graduated, uh, we had to kick them out because they were no longer students. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that was a personal pain point for me because that's when they really needed us the most. Um, so we opened up the Launch Lab. It's been amazingly successful, again, in this cross-disciplinary way, bringing together like-minded entrepreneurs, similar stages of development, collaborating with each other, learning from each other in this amazing community. So 
you know, my goal someday is to have launch labs in other geographies around the globe. So, you know, we could have a, a launch lab in L.A. someday and then I'd get to come visit you more often. Oh, come by anytime, <laughs> um, especially when you get my application. No. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking at all these different programs you guys have networking, financial modeling, c- customer development, you know, You've done uh, your data. I told you we have a big <laughs> research team. Um, that guy's great, by the way. Our researcher, he's amazing. <laughs> um, he looks just like me. But um, w- what about soft skills? Like, you know, what about grit or, you know, your EQ and like, Medita- like meditation yeah, or whatever Yeah, no, it takes. you know, I'm so glad you brought that up. And that's, that's sort of a, you know, a light bulb went off for us a couple years into the program that the, the content that we deliver, the knowledge transfer around skill building is, is really important. Um, and we've developed this, you know, pretty robust content library. You can go online to our YouTube channel and watch all these videos. And there's some amazing people delivering amazing content. But the one thing that we realized is it is, it's, we, you know, we call it human factors. It's all those soft skills um, that are often not taught and overlooked. And, you know, that goes to things like building culture, et cetera. And we've made, a, you know, an enormous um, focus and concentration on adding more content and more workshops and more programs in that area because it is so important. And, you know, one thing that that we found over time, too, is that, um, you know, we do big events, we do medium-sized events, little events, and, and the ones where you're interacting on a small scale with um, other people that are you know, doing what you're doing and really getting behind the curtain of, you know, how hard this is, um, is where the most impact is had. And, you know, we, we do NPS for everything, everything we do, and that always has the highest scores. Right. Um, so students often don't realize how important that is. So we've done, we, we're working really hard to hit home uh, how important that is and in working it into the program. One thing I haven't talked about um, yet is uh, our venture incubation program. So, you know, you can, there's about 80% of our resources, you don't have to be part of any program. And then if you um, have a well-formed team, a well-formed idea, and you are really looking to commit yourself and commercialize, you apply to this venture incubation program and that unlocks more resources. So um, you will you know, stage appropriate resources like these human factors, like um, industry roundtables, founders dinners, things like that, um, that can really help you um, with those soft skills. This all seems really well thought out. <laughs> it's like you got you get, you have a lot of angles covered. Um, what's on the wish list? Are you like, okay, I, here's where we we need to like step our game up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so many things. My my to do list, my wish list, and strategic plan is is very long, and uh, hopefully we'll get to it all someday. <laughs> Um, you know, part of it is being opportunistic and listening to the market as I try to tell our teams, you know, responding to their needs. Um, but the, the a big thing for me that I think will enable us to scale and extend our reach is technology. Um, having a technology platform that helps build and reinforce community, having a technology platform that allows us to distribute our content better a technology platform to allow alumni to collaborate. If I can't build launch labs in in a physical space, can I build virtual launch labs? There's so much that I think that we can do and and really scale this thing um, if we can use technology um, appropriately. 
you know, right now we're constrained by the number of events we can do a year, the number of people that come through the iLab. We can only help you if you're here. Um, and so what we'd like to do is, is take that off the table so that we can help a lot more people. Um, and along those lines, um, this, this whole idea, we call it top of funnel, you know, this misconception that you have to have an idea and a team uh, to come to the iLab. We want to have a lot more events that bring you there earlier in the process. So if we can help you um, earlier in the process, again, we hope we can increase your chances of success. Yeah, I would imagine like a, you know, an entrepreneurial discovery, like dis- discovering who you are as an entrepreneur is also just like self-discovery. And I think yeah. the age is right in terms of being, you know, at, at, a, at a college age. Um, but, you know, have you kind of mirrored the sort of business journey and the personal like growth? Or have you seen that as a as a mirror? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there are people, we do these things called the challenges, which is part of this category of experiential learning. You know, we talked earlier about practicing entrepreneurship, and I think that's really important. So it allows you to kind of, you know, pick a, a problem in the world to be solved, um, form a team, iterate on that idea, get lots of feedback, et cetera, through the process. And, you know, we get you know, hundreds of people that participate in this and, and not all of them come out the other side as entrepreneurs. Um, but they learn a lot about themselves, how they can be innovators. Again, if you go get a job at a large corporation, we want you to be an out of the box thinker and an innovator there too. Um, so, you know, tremendous value to be had, even for those that don't want to pursue entrepreneurship. Uh, so the show is called Innovation Crush. Uh, as, as I believe you know, um, what have you seen out in the world, whether it's in the iLab, uh, in your travels or just something you've seen on TV? You're like, oh, that's really amazing. But that you may have an innovation crush on. Yeah. You know, again, right now, I think I mentioned it early on is is virtual and augmented reality. I, I really am excited about that. We just did a big event last week. Um, we had about 1,200 people come through the iLab to learn about it. So there's, you know, there's no shortage of interest. We've seen a lot of um, companies formed at the iLab around AR, VR. And the thing that I think is, is super cool about it is that it cuts across so many different industry verticals and can impact so many different areas of the world from, you know, how you teach um, surgery to, you know, med students to, um, you know, how you storytell or, um, you know, train athletes to be better performers and uh, everything in between that, you know, I think there's just so many um, use cases and um, opportunities for impact uh, beyond Pokemon, beyond gaming <laughs> uh, that we've seen so far. And I think um, I think it's really starting to happen. I think we've been talking about this for years, but because all the, the hardware is finally in market and finally um, affordable and um, people can start iterating on their ideas. Um, and as a result, we are building out an AR VR lab at the iLab. Oh, wow. So it's going to have um, equipment and processors and cameras and um, give the students the ability to ideate in this new um, with this new platform. So I'm I'm super excited to see what's going to come of that. That's cool. Uh, your eyes just lit up, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, what what is your superpower? Right, you're leading a team, you're leading students. You're kind of like at the the apex of this whole like you know upside down triangle, if you, or, or right side up, whatever way. Um, but like you know, what's the one thing that Jody is amazing at? And people, oh, I hate talking about myself, and I'd rather talk about all the super cool ventures. Um, I think you're here because it, of you, yeah. not because of your work. 
I have no superpower. If I did, it would be to fly. I love flying. <laughs> um, but um, I, I think it is that ability to connect um, and, uh, you know, being able to help entrepreneurs. You know, I have such a great job because my only goal in life is to help other entrepreneurs and innovators succeed. And I get to help hundreds, if not thousands of them. So, um, you know, by by creating the opportunity for them to connect either with each other or the contributors to their industry or their venture, um, hopefully we can set them on the right path. Awesome. Uh, last but not least, you ready? Okay. Deep breath. <gasps> uh, that was me breathing, guys, not, not Jenny. Just <laughs> <laughs> I've been told I don't breathe enough. <laughs> I, you know, so, uh, some, a guy told me is like we all breathe too shallow. Yes. yes. Um, Someone told me I don't know how to breathe, and I thought it's weird, isn't right? That yeah. Involuntary. <laughs> uh, but I ended up like in a half hour conversation. I was like, "What? And, oh, okay." But it's like all the benefits of breathing. It was pretty. Uh, yeah. And that we breathe wrong is weird. Um, innovation to me is. Oh gosh, um, I think you kind of, sort of tried to ask that earlier. Um, I think it is the 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 courage and the boldness to uh, put forth ideas that are going to have an, an enormous impact on the world. Courage, that's Cur- a good one. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. actually a yeah. first. I think. Yeah. You know, it's, there's a there's a fearlessness that that goes along. <laughs> no, that's serious. Be a, bold. A, a, <laughs> be bold. Um, where can people go to find more about you? Well, not you. You don't want to talk about uh, you. Yeah, exactly. About the iLab, which I love the logo. It just says hi. Isn't it the best? That logo? Is, like that's, oh that's, that's so cool. It's so friendly and so you know. It's interesting. I have to tell a stupid short story. Sorry, I know probably no, over this time. Is what, this is what you're here for. So this when we a, first opened, we put a big sign on the door, and we're in this kind of you know. Uh, on the outskirts of campus at Harvard. And um, someone called us, said they were driving by on Western Ave and um, their kid in the back seat all of a sudden yelled hi. And the mom was like, who are you saying hi to? And she said, that building, it said hi to me. And to me, that that is exactly what we want to be. We want to be inclusive and friendly and um, open to anyone. So um, I don't know. Love, or you love the make logo. Buildings that can talk to children. That's an innovation <laughs> in and of itself. There you go. <laughs> they can see ghosts and they can talk to buildings. It's uh, it's uh, anyway. Now, now I digress. So, where can people find out more about the iLab? Where do they go online? Yeah, sure. I mean, again, I'd rather you check out all the amazing ventures that are there. Um, so, i lab at harvard.edu is probably the best place. They're all listed like alphabetically and by year, correct? Yeah, and you can sort by industry and school and all sorts of things. See, Lots of filtering. You. Well thought out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Everyone, this has been another installment of Innovation Crush. Thank you for for coming. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. Um, And we will talk to you next time. 